Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 11. I am Greg Schutz. Welcome to the madness that is my passion, the NFL draft, breaking down the top prospects uh, leading up to the draft that will be taking place in April in Nashville, Tennessee. A lot to get uh, get through today. So I, I wanted to start off, obviously, we have the college football playoff rankings. Um, you know, Prior to that, we actually had 11 ranked teams go down to defeat and you know just something that really shook up the whole college football landscape I think you know with all of these teams that were going down um, you know a, a season or I'm sorry a week ago started off with Appalachian State against Georgia Southern uh, lost 34-14 um, you know Appalachian State Really couldn't get a whole lot going on, uh, you know, on the ground. You know, obviously Jalen Moore out, but Darrington Evans really carrying the ball uh, well there for for Appalachian State. But uh, you know, he really couldn't get a whole lot going. Held under a hundred yards on the ground. Uh, Shy Wirtz, the the quarterback. If you haven't gotten a chance to see the Eagles play, uh, tune in, watch Shy Wirtz uh, run that offense, that that triple option. Paul Johnson made famous there. Um, You know, Wesley Fields, another uh, running back, talented back there for for, uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, 98 98 yards on 18 carries, two touchdowns. Um, Ultimately, Appalachian State going down. Um, So they... They, they set the tone for a lot of the ranked teams. Um, you know, as we go through this, um, you know, Clemson had no problem. You know, they 19 to 10 winners over Florida State. Notre Dame doubling up uh, Navy 44 22. Uh, but then Texas going down to Oklahoma State 38 35. Uh, you know, traveled to Stillwater and uh, Taylor Cornelius, the corn dog as he's known, um, you know, 23 of, uh, of 34, 321 yards, three touchdowns, uh, also scored on the ground, you know, uh, leading the Pokes to the victory there. Uh, Georgia t- knocking off number nine, uh, the Florida Gators, number seven uh, Bulldogs. They're at home between the hedges, taking out the Gators. Uh, you know, Jake Fromm definitely, uh, you know, had a very efficient day, 17 to 24, 240 yards, three touchdowns. DeAndre Swift and uh, Elijah Holyfield getting the job done on the on the ground as well. Um, let's see, OU, eighth rate suitors, 51-14 winners over Kansas State, you know, making quick work of, uh, of K-State and Kyler Murray, you know, yet another very efficient day, 19 to 24, 352 yards, three touchdowns. If there's anyone who's going to give Tua Tango-Vailoa, uh, a run for their, you know, for his money there when it's, when it comes to the Heisman, it has to be Kyler Murray. <clears throat> just the way that he's been able to to throw the football around the yard, uh, you know, running the uh, running the football as well. You know, you look at C.D. Lamb, four catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns. He's going to be you know another great Sooner wide receiver. And you know they're playing without uh, you know the services of, of Marquise Brown. You know, Hollywood Brown is known for his his speed. And when you're down with a with an ankle injury, you know he did play a little bit, caught a couple of passes. But uh, just wasn't his normal self, and that's one of the things. I'm, I thought that was a good move by the Sooners to really, you know, they, they didn't need him in this game. So you know, why force it with that that ankle, especially when they have so many talented wideouts there at that that program. Uh, Sooners are going to be one to watch here as as things go on. Kentucky very narrowly became the twelfth ranked team to lose. Uh, the the twelfth way ranked Wildcats go into Columbia, take it on Mizzou. And uh, end of the game, uh, 15-14 winners, uh, you know, C.J. Conrad making the catch um, 
at at the end of the game there to to go ahead and seal things for uh, for Kentucky uh, seven and one overall five and one in, in the SEC. Um, you know who would have thunk it, right? Uh, you know the Wildcats challenging for the the SEC East crown. Uh, Washington State, you know the the Cougs go into Stanford. And they they beat Stanford. They had to score 17 in the fourth quarter. End up winning 41-38. If you haven't heard of who uh, Gardner Minshew is, uh, you know you, you better take notice. 40 of 50, 438 yards, three touchdown passes. And I'll tell you what, he's throwing the ball to uh, to a back uh, James uh, James Williams. Only a junior, but this is a guy who is versatile. He can run the ball between the tackles, can bounce it to the outside, has excellent hands. Uh, eight carries for just 30 yards, but had a couple of touchdowns. Nine receptions for 79 yards for the Cougs. Uh, really outplayed Bryce Love, you know, who still hasn't quite recovered off of that ankle injury. Um, yeah, but when you when you look at Washington State and, and you look at that game, you know the one thing I will say for for Stanford is you know again JJ Arcega Whiteside is is making a strong argument to be a first round pick uh, in, in the draft come April because of the fact that he he shows better than average speed vertically um, and then just his he's just a matchup nightmare down the field um, you know especially in the red zone. Um, 10 catches, 111 yards, two touchdowns, and then Caden Smith, the tight end, who may very well be the the most complete tight end in this draft when things are all said and done. Nine catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown for him, but it wasn't enough. Uh, Stanford going down to the Cougs, 41-38. So if you're scoring with us, you know, that's yet another... ranked team. So we're at one, two, three, and that's four. Number five, we're staying in the Pac-12. Cal, the Bears, they're at home in Berkeley, taking down the, the Washington Huskies, 15th-ranked Huskies, 12 to 10. Uh, you know, just really kind of an, an odd game there. You know, it was one of those things. Uh, um, Cal, uh, if you look at the look at the, the the stats, you know, Cal had uh, let's see a couple of field goals, and then Evan Weaver with a. An interception return of, of Jake Browning there at the end of the third quarter. Uh, Huskies unable to uh, to rally. You know, Cal really using that defense um, to, to, to take down UW. Um, offensively, you know, Chase Garbers, you know, just 153 yards passing. Total 91 yards on the ground. But, you know, it was really that, that defense that took things. You know, that, that uh, Washington Husky offense is different without Miles Gaskin. You know, they don't have have that that dynamic back in the backfield. And then you look at uh, the, the passing attack. Ty Jones was the leading receiver, three receptions, 50 yards. Uh, but beyond him, you know, Aaron Fuller, only one catch. Uh, Drew Sample, the tight end, just one, one catch as well. Jake Browning on the day, 11 to 21, 148 yards, a touchdown and a pick. You know, the Bears ultimately found a way to, to get the W and that really, um, you know, kind of throws a wrench into the plans for, for the Huskies there in the, the PAC 12 North, um, Texas A&M, another ranked opponent, number 16 in the country, fallen to the Mississippi state Bulldogs, Bulldogs bouncing back, uh, with a convincing win here. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald, 14 to 22, 241 yards, two touchdowns, also, uh, 88 yards on the ground and another two scores, um, you know, ultimately, you know, Mississippi State showing that they can bounce back, um, you know, 
and, and really Texas A&M was, was favored to win this game. I think everyone was expecting Jimbo Fisher to really, you know, take at the Aggies to the next level, you know, expecting them to be four and one in the SEC. Instead, they, they suffer their second defeat um, in the SEC. So, you know, it, they kind of brought them back down to, down to earth a little bit. Uh, Penn state uh, number 17th ranked Nittany Lions there, um, you know, in uh, happy Valley taking out uh, Iowa, the Hawkeyes, uh, 18th ranked in the country. So keeping score, there's yet another ranked team going down to defeat Nate Stanley, man. Um, you know, Iowa quarterback, you know, he's a junior, you know, I've been saying, you know, he has the physical ability. He's a big kid, six, four, 245 pounds. Um, you know, has an NFL arm, but here's the issue, the accuracy issues. Um, you know, he, he has problems really throwing the football down the field, um, you know, when he was under pressure, you know, under duress, you know, you saw that, that completion percentage really drop quite a bit, uh, made some poor decisions, two interceptions, um, didn't get a touchdown pass at all in the game. Um, you know, Nate Stanley, please come back to, to, uh, Iowa city for your senior season. I think you can end up having a pretty big year there for, for Iowa next season. Uh, I just don't think he's ready for the next level. Trace McSorley underwhelming day, you know, 11 to 25, 167 yards, touchdown and a pick but here's the deal with Trace McSorley uh you know you want to talk about a gamer this was a guy who was having issues with his knee um went out for a time Tommy Stevens um took some snaps under center McSorley comes back with a big run 51 yard run on a bad knee um ends up scoring a touchdown there for the Nittany Lions um so you know when you talk about Penn State you know Trace McSorley, the one thing I will say about him, he's going to end up getting a shot at the next level because he's a gamer. If nothing else, he's not always going to, it's not always going to be pretty. He's not always going to be accurate. But one thing that I will say about Trace McSorley is, is that he's gritty and he's going to find a way to get things done. Uh, the Wildcats, man, we're going back to the Pac-12, another ranked team in the Pac-12 going down to defeat. Pac-12 just beating itself up. Um, you know, the, the only chance left for uh, the playoff is, is Washington State. They have to hope that they win out, win convincingly, um, you know, if they're going to have a shot. But a lot of these teams that are going down to defeat are ranked opponents, and, uh, you know, that's really going to hurt their strength of schedule down the stretch, especially when they have a week out of conference. Um, Arizona, 44-15 winners over, over Oregon. Um, you know, Khalil Tate, uh, 19 of, of 33, 189 yards, three touchdowns, uh, signature win there for Kevin Sumlin in the Pac-12. Um, Justin Herbert, 24 of 48, just 186 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, really struggled uh, to get things going. He was also the Ducks' leading rusher with just 31 yards on the ground. Uh, Ducks ended up uh, with 84 total yards, um, you know, versus, you know, J.J. Taylor and, and company, 276 yards on the ground in total. J.J. Taylor, 30 carries, 212 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, when you talk about, you know, the the, the ball control and, and being able to, to keep that, uh, you know, Arizona definitely won the time of possession, 36 minutes to just 23. Um, so at the end of the day, um, you know, Oregon – 
you know, when, when Justin Herbert was out there on the field, not all that accurate. I think he was rushing some throws. Um, and, and Justin Herbert, you know, I think all signs right now are still pointing to him coming back to school. I still think he would be the number one prospect at the quarterback position. I mean, this quarterback draft class, you know, let's face it, not the strongest. You know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I've you know pretty much said that if, if Justin Herbert isn't getting, uh, isn't coming out, and you know. Like I said, there are uh, reports that he may come back for a senior season to to play one year with his brother, who's going to be an incoming freshman. Um, you know, if he's not there, then we're not going to have a quarterback taken in the first round. I'd almost argue that you don't have a quarterback that would be taken in the first two rounds. Although there will be a team, um, you know, whether it's the Giants, the Jags, somebody's going to end up taking a quarterback there um, in round two. It'll probably be Drew Locke out of Missouri. <clears throat> So, uh, sticking back to our, our uh, you know, ranked teams that have gone down to defeat Northwestern, you know, in Evanston, you know, at home, taking on the number 20 uh, Wisconsin Badgers, taking them down. Uh, you know, the, the running game, the vaunted rushing attack there for the Badgers, um, it was actually Isaiah Bowser, uh, the Northwestern running back that was leading the way. 34 carries, 117 yards and a touchdown. Clayton Thorson leading the way for, for Northwestern. A pretty efficient day overall, just 167 yards passing, but 17 to 30 with a touchdown pass. Wisconsin playing without Alex Hornibrook. Uh, you know, Jack Cohn got the start. Um you know, overall, you know, 158 yards passing and a, and a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, but uh, Wisconsin just couldn't get things going on the ground. 165 yards um, total on the ground. Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, who had a, a Heisman run early on in the season, uh, just 11 carries for 46 yards. That offensive line um, that looked to be dominant throughout most of the season, really struggling to get things going there against Northwestern. And, uh, you know, the Wildcats really took advantage. You know, and so I, I think that was definitely a, a huge surprise there for, um, you know, for the, the, the Big Ten, you know, another ranked opponent, a ranked team there in the Big Ten. Is that going to affect Michigan's hopes at possibly getting into that FBS playoff? Uh, Houston, you know, the, the Cougars, uh, 4-0 now in the American, taking down uh, the South Florida Bulls, you know, the 21th ranked. Um, USF, you know, 57, 36, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the King play the undersized quarterback, 28 of 40, 419 yards, five touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, he also rushed for 132 yards and two more touchdowns. He's probably the best quarterback that nobody's ever heard of. Um, you know, he's kind of flying under the radar, but, you know, he throws five touchdowns, did throw a couple of picks there in the game, but, uh, spread the ball around. Um, let's see. Six, rece- uh, six receivers with, with multiple um, receptions on the day. And, uh, you know, if you're wondering, you know, what, what was going on with, with Ed Oliver, he actually sat out. You know, this is a guy who, who doesn't miss a game. Um, but, you know, he had a leg injury, so he's he was out for the game. And uh, that defense ultimately able to, to really hold USF. You know, they scored all their points in the second and third quarters. Uh, Houston, pretty much pretty steady. You know, if you look at the, the box score, you know, 14 in the in the first, you know, 14 in the second, 15 in the third, 14 in the fourth. So they were scoring in every single quarter um, and, and really, you know, dominated the game overall, you know, through the, 
<clears throat> through the air and, and really on the ground. If, if we pull up the team stats here, let's take a look at this real quick. Um, you know, time of possession, you know, it was actually in USF's favor because Houston does like to air the ball out so much, you know, 682 total yards, um, for Houston, they actually outgained them on the ground, uh, 263 to 204, uh, Houston, a, a team to really be reckoned with, you know, that's a, a high powered offense, very potent, um, you know, that's one team that I would not want to have to face down the stretch in the American. And, uh, you know, especially even when you get into the bowl season, Syracuse, you know, Dino Babers, man, you want to talk about a team that, uh, you know, is really playing, playing, you know, well beyond, you know, uh, what their expectations were. Um, you know, they're six and two overall three and two in the ACC, uh, 51, 41 winners over NC State, uh, 22 ranked, uh, you know, Wolfpack suffered their second straight defeat uh, in in as many weeks. And, uh, you know, Ryan Finley, you know, threw the ball well, you know, 26 of 44, 473 yards, three touchdowns. Kelvin Harmon, a beast on the outside, 11 receptions, 247 yards and two touchdowns there. Um, you know, Kelvin Harmon really showing his ability to to be a playmaker. And I've been hard on on Kelvin Harmon for quite some time. He was a guy that I put into my top five at the beginning of the season. Um, he's been frustrating to watch at times. You know, the, the game last week against Clemson, just one reception. Um, you know, really struggled to get things going. You know, a lot of drops. Um, he lets the ball get into his body too often, but you know, against a game against Syracuse, even in a losing effort, he shows you the, the type of talent that he can be. You know, he's only a junior. Ryan Finley coming out uh, as a senior, I could definitely see uh, Calvin Harmon. Uh, coming out at the end of this season, um, when you look at this receiving core, very underwhelming uh, draft class, and uh, I think Kelvin Harmon has a chance to you know, be a second round pick if he comes out this year. If he comes out next year, you know, he has a chance to be a first round pick, especially if he can work on his hands. I just don't know if he's going to stick around because really we don't know who's going to be throwing the football to him there at NC State. So we got through. What happened last week and uh, all the, the teams that went down to defeat that were ranked. So if we take a look at the college football playoff, obviously the first rankings, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. We knew that they were going to be in the top four. Um, you know, Notre Dame actually, you know, comes in uh, as a number four team. Uh, so who actually moved ahead of them and is sitting there at number three? Well, that's LSU. And I can tell you that's probably because LSU has more quality wins than than Notre Dame does. You know, really what I was thinking was Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and really the question was going to be between LSU and Michigan. Um, but when you look at the uh, LSU Tigers, um, you know, they, they took out Florida. You know, they, they've played Georgia. Um, you know, they... The one loss was uh, was to Auburn earlier in the season, but you know this is a team that you know is is really prime. They're they're taking on Alabama. They're going to be without Devin White. We're going to be talking about that game here in a little while, but yeah, I really want to see what uh, you know what LSU has in store. That defense, I'm really curious to see can they can they weather the storm. Alabama likes to get out you know really quickly. What I would do is I would put you know Greedy Williams on Jerry Judy and. Stay in his hip pocket. You know what? Shut him down and force, you know, Devontae Smith, force Henry Ruggs to beat you. Uh, you know, Irv Smith Jr. is going to be a weapon. 
But uh, you're going to have to, you know, with Devin White out, you're going to have to find someone else to give that, you know, to cover him. But you got Grant Delpit sitting there as, as a safety. He's going to have to play in the box against Damian Harris, but uh, he's also going to have to be a playmaker on the outside. You know, uh, like I said, Smith, Ruggs, uh, Ir- Irv Smith, you know, but uh, Grant Delpit is, is probably the best safety in college football right now. Only a sophomore. He'll be coming out in next year's draft. Um, but LSU sitting there at number three. When you look at the rest of the schedule, they have Bama, uh, Arkansas, Rice, and, and Texas A&M. This Bama game is really going to set the tone. What is going to happen with LSU? If they get to suffer a second defeat, they could pretty much catch, uh, you know, kiss the uh, FBS playoff goodbye. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, that's really, they're going to have to put all their chips into this game. Um, and, 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 you know, losing Devin Smith or Devin White for the first half really does hurt, um, their, their, their chances in this game. But like I said, if they can weather the storm, um, you know, get Michael Divinity loose, uh, coming off the edge, pressuring Tua, um, you know, and you got that front seven, can they really, you know, bottle up that running game? Uh, Damian Harris, you know, that's really going to be the, the big question mark. Alabama, obviously, they're the team, the, the cream of the crop. You know, Nick Saban and uh, the Crimson Tide, they, they look pretty much invincible at this point. And you look at the rest of their schedule, they've got LSU, um, you know, Mississippi State. Then they get, uh, you know, a, 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 a gimme here with, with the Citadel you know, I don't know how Alabama can get away with scheduling the Citadel and uh, you know Louisiana Lafayette on their schedule, um, but uh, the way that they win in convincing fashion in the SEC, I guess they can they can get a pass for that. But they get the Citadel before they end up taking on Auburn. Um, Auburn having their issues, especially on the offensive side of the football. But I would really like to see you know strength on strength get that Alabama offense against that Auburn defense, and that's really the the thing that I want to see this week with with LSU. If LSU can weather the storm, and then they get Devin White into that game uh, for the second half. If you're within a possession, you know, and all you need is is one one big play. Um, then I think LSU has a chance, but that's the only way that they're going to be able to hang in there is uh, if they can keep it close when Devin White gets out there. I think the addition of Devin White, you know, and I, I don't think you can uh, oversell, you know, the the addition of, of Devin White there in the second half. Um, he's a, a top ten, you know, top five talent for this this draft. You know, someone who is the leader, the emotional leader of the defense. Uh, he sets the tone for everybody else out there. He's a three-down player, uh, can drop into coverage, um, but you know what he excels at is is covering the field sideline to sideline. Um, you know, he's he's someone who also uh, times his blitzes very well. That's one of the things. You know, delay blitz. You know, um, when to shoot the gaps, when not to shoot the gaps. Um, he affects just about every play. He reminds me a lot of Roquan Smith. Um, you know who went to the Bears in this past draft, and you're going to see Devin White. You know, he could be a top five pick. I think he'll probably end up being probably somewhere in the top 10 when it's all said and done. Um, you know, I think that's going to be critical um, for that. You know, but look, Alabama, you got Tua, you have all those weapons. You got uh, Damian Harris in that running game. Too many horses, more than likely, but uh, you know LSU. I think they at least have a have a chance with that defense. You know, I think that defense can end up making some plays. Clemson sitting there at number two. Um, 
you know, you, you look at, at Clemson and, and, and who they've beaten. Uh, you know, they, they took out Syracuse. They've taken out NC State. You know, they played Florida and handed Flor- uh, I'm sorry, Florida State and handed them their worst loss in history. Um, you know, to close out the season, you got Louisville at BC. That'll be a tough game because they're going to have to go up against A.J. Dillon and company. Um, you know, they'll, they'll have Duke at home and then they'll get to play against South Carolina. Um, and then more than likely, they'll be playing Virginia in the ACC title game. So I think Clemson has a pretty easy road. Um, like I said, the only game that could be tough is is the Boston college game. I think what BC is going to try to do is wear them down, um, up front. It's going to be very tough sledding, especially when you have, uh, three first rounders up front and then Austin Bryant, who's going to be taken somewhere in the second round. Um, you know, those guys flying around to the football, there's a lot of depth that, you know, on that team too. You know, Xavier Thomas is just a freshman, Niles Pinckney, a sophomore, um, then Albert Huggins, the, the senior, uh, reserve there at defensive tackle. A lot of talent up front, and then a lot of talent on the back end as well. You know, Trayvon Mullen, I haven't really talked about him too much, but uh, he's a junior who could come out after this, uh, after the season. And, uh, you know, you've got A.J. Terrell as well. You know, he's only a sophomore, but um, another corner who has some skills there out on the perimeter. You know, Clemson defensively, I think, matches up very well with Alabama. Um you know, and then offensively, you know, they have a ton of weapons. T. Higgins, Amari Rogers, Hunter Renfro, who's going to step up next? Um, they're uh, catching the football. And then Travis Etienne, he's he's had a couple of games where he's he's been slowed, you know, just a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I, I anticipate he's going to have a, um, you know, a big game this weekend against uh, the Louisville Cardinal. And then, of course, there's Notre Dame. You know, everyone talks about well Notre Dame, you know, not having a, a a very tough schedule this year, and what what's going to happen with them? They don't have a conference; they wouldn't be a conference champion. Um, so really, Notre Dame has to run the tables, I think, in order for them to um, end up making it into the FBS. But here's here's the schedule that they've got: they've got Northwestern, they're going to Evan, you know, Evan Field, um, and, and that's. Obviously, Wisconsin's already figured out that Northwestern is for real. You know what I'm really anxious to see is is you've got you know Ian Book who is you know really the been the difference there for the Irish in my opinion. And then obviously you know when Dexter Williams took the field, obviously he you know NFL scouts are going to have to do their homework on Dexter Williams. He sat out the first four games with a suspension. They're going to have to look at that off uh, those off field issues. But there's no question that he has the the ability. Um, to break break the games wide open with with the speed on the outside, big receivers Miles Boykin and, and uh, Chase Claypool, six three six four receivers. Uh, Boykin six four two hundred twenty eight pounds, um, a receiver who's going to be a mid round pick, but you know definitely a, a dynamic playmaker there on the outside. Um, always seems to be getting open, runs runs routes pretty well. Probably going to be a possession guy, a guy who's going to be a weapon um, down the field and. Uh, in the red zone, um, just really a matchup nightmare. But then you have Alizé Mack, the tight end, another matchup nightmare, just up the seam, a big body tight end, you know, able to extend his arms and, and attack the football. Um, needs to work on his blocking a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Northwestern's going to have their hands full. You know, you want to see Nate Hall, uh, Patty Fisher, um, 
And then I really want to see Montre Hardage. You put Montre Hardage on uh, Miles Boykin. You know, Hardage, a six-foot corner um, versus a six-four, six-five wide receiver. You know, there there is definitely a height advantage, but the thing is, is Hardage plays a lot bigger than his size would indicate. And then you put Clayton Thorson against that defense. Really want to see what uh, Tevin Coney and uh, you know Drew Tranquil can do. Um, you know, they're the, the linebackers that really, they're the, they're the guys that stir the drink. They're the ones that get things going for that defense. Um, you know, Jerry Tillery is a force up front, um, uses his hands very well, just so, so violent with his hands, the clubs and, and just kind of throwing guys at will. Um, but he's not the only guy up front. You know, you have, uh, Julian Aquara and, and Dalen Hayes. Um, you know, so Notre Dame is going to be putting pressure on uh, Clayton Thorson. He's going to have to get the ball out quickly. You know, for Clayton Thornton, Thorson, if he wants to put some game tape out there, you know, some really good game tape, this is going to be the week to do it. If he can sit there and put together a really solid game, not make all the mental errors, because that's one of the big things that he has working against him is all the decision-making issues. You know, he's barely a 60% completion percentage uh, or 60% uh, passer. And uh, has a ton of interceptions, so a lot of mistakes that that he's making. But I think he's catching fire at the right time. It'll be interesting to watch him. Obviously, he's got Julian Love uh, that he's throwing against there uh, in the secondary. I would recommend throwing away from him. I think you can go ahead and attack the other side a little bit. Um, so that'll be an interesting game. And they take on Florida, uh, Florida State. Then they've got Syracuse. Uh, the Syracuse game will be you know in the Bronx. Um, at uh, Yankee Stadium, Syracuse, like I said, they've already proven, you know, they've, they've knocked off uh, NC State, you know, so that won't be a gimme game. And then they'll be coming to the Coliseum for the final game there on November 24th against USC. If they're undefeated going into that game, the way USC has played at this point, they're 4-4 four and four now. Um, they fired their, their offensive line coach, um, which should have happened probably weeks ago. But, uh, you know, just really a program that's in turmoil. You know, the, they're... Their offense is uh, non-existent. Clay Helton now is is calling the plays. What's going to happen there? You know, you, you really they they the way that they play they've played the last couple of games. I don't know if USC is even going to win another game. You know, it's really going to this this week is going to really dictate um, where that program is going to go. Can they finish strong? Even though they're at four and four, can they finish strong and win out? And and have a you know go to a good bowl game, um, you know that's that's going to be a huge question mark. And so I think these next four games for them you know, that's really going to set the tone and really tell you what uh, what Notre Dame is going to be seeing there against USC. So those are your four. And then I think you know after that, you look at uh, you know number ten. You know, let's see number number ten is is Ohio State. You know, they're seven and one. The way they showed up against Purdue, or actually I should say they didn't show up against Purdue, 49 to 20 losers um, in that contest. I don't anticipate Ohio State. I think a lot of, you know, turmoil is going to have to happen up front in this uh, you know FBS ranking for them to slide back into contention. Um, UCF, you know, there's another undefeated team sitting there at number 12. But again, with their, their conference and, you know, their... Um, it's not just the conference schedule. It's really their uh, out-of-conference schedule more than anything else. And if I were to pull it up here, you know, that's really what's going to always hinder them when you're talking about uh, whether or not they can actually make a run for the FBS. You know, when you talk about their 
out of conference action. You know, you're talking South Carolina State, uh, uh, North Carolina, Florida Atlantic, um, and Pittsburgh. You know, so those are those are the teams that they're playing out of conference. Not the toughest schedule there. Um, so if they really want to make the make themselves known, they need to start playing against some of the heavy hitters. That's really you know what uh, you know what's going to make that difference for them at the end of the day. So Kentucky sitting there right now at number nine. You know, just the one defeat. Um, you know, to losing to Texas A and M. You look at the remainder of their schedule. They they've got Georgia. You know, this weekend, and that's going to be the big game. Um, they're playing Georgia at home. That's going to be pretty much for all the marbles when we're talking about the SEC East. Um, then they've got, you know, they go to Tennessee. Um, they play middle uh, middle Tennessee and then at Louisville to finish things out. To me, I think Kentucky, if they can beat Georgia, you know, they'll be they'll be alive in, in the SEC going in. Um, going into the SEC title game. Uh, but I just think that that's going to be a program that's going to be looking on the, really on the outside looking in. I mentioned Washington State and really the Pac-12. Um, you know, Pac-12 has had a reputation of kind of beating itself up a lot of times. And uh, here they are at it again. You know, all the ranked teams that are going down to defeat uh, Washington State, their lone loss to USC, um, Back on September 21st, you know, they've, they've rattled off wins against Utah, both Oregon schools, now Stanford. You know, they've got Cal, a Cal team that beat the 15th ranked Huskies. Uh, they play them at home. They go to Colorado, then they play Arizona, and then obviously finish things off with the Apple Cup against Washington. Um, you know, not the, the, the strongest schedule remaining, but, uh, you know, especially if they get a chance there to to win the Pac-12 title, um, you know they're still going to need to get a lot of help. I think they're you're probably looking at three or four teams that are going to have to lose ahead of them for them to move forward. But uh, a nice finish to the season there for for Mike Leach um, that would give them a lot of momentum coming into into next season. And really, you know that game against USC, they were they were close, you know very close to being talked about um, you know, in the mix here. OU, the Sooners, you know, they're sitting there at number seven, you know, with the lone loss to Texas uh, just a few weeks ago. They uh, go travel to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. You know, I don't think they'll have an issue there. Then they have uh, Bedlam against Oklahoma State. They'll be playing at home, uh, taking on the Pokes there. And uh, then Kansas um, comes to town before they travel to West uh, West Virginia, getting out there to Morgantown, taking on Will Greer. That's going to be an interesting game. If they can win out there and then either take on uh, Texas or potentially uh, another showdown with West Virginia again, um, possibly even o- Oklahoma State, you know, one of those three teams, you know, especially if they win convincingly. And that's really what uh, what you're looking at there. Now that they've cleaned up things with the, you know, the obviously Ruffin McNeil coming in as defensive coordinator, taking over for the fired Mike Stoops, um, you're seeing a defense that, you know, is playing a lot faster. You know, I think they've simplified the, the defense a little bit. They're playing a lot faster. You looked at their defense as well. If you tuned in, you got to see Ronnie Perkins, the outstanding freshman. He got to play uh, the, the Jack linebacker and, uh, you know, Buki, Radley Hiles, um, you know, playing there at the nickelback. But, uh, 
you know, you had the two Trays playing there at corner. Trey Norwood, Trey Brown, Parnell Motley coming off the bench. You know, Robert Barnes, another safety that was playing very well. He, um, you know, got the start, the, the starting nod over, uh, you know, Khalil Houghton and, and Justin Broyles. So, you know, a lot of different moving parts, a lot of different guys that are getting to see the field that they you know, really weren't seeing. So I think defensively, they're trying to catch up with that high-powered offense, you know, and, and really pick your poison. You know, if you're going to try to stop, uh, stop them throwing the football, they're going to beat you on the ground because they have the best offensive line in the country. Sorry, Wisconsin, they do. You know, Bobby, Bobby Evans, you know, I've been critical of him at times, but uh, you know, very athletics uh, tackle. I think he still has to clean up his footwork a little bit, uh, clean up the hands, uh, be a little bit more consistent there. But definitely, um, you know, has the ability to be a, a you know a day one, day two pick in next year's draft. I hope that he does come back. Um, you know, Ben Powers and Drew Samia, the two two guards, definitely guys that should be um, should warrant uh, consideration here. Probably uh, day three guys, but you know, physical in the ground game. Both of the guys can pull either to the left or to the right. Um, and you know, the thing with it is, is when they pull, they're not just you know getting in the way. They they know what to do. They're going to find guys and they're going to bury them. So OU definitely still in consideration there. You have Georgia. You know Georgia. Look, if you lose to Kentucky, then uh, all bets are off. You know you pretty much can uh, pack things up when you're talking about the FBS uh, playoff. You know trying to get back back there, get another shot potentially at Alabama. Um, you know so you got you know at Kentucky, then they play Auburn. They'll play UMass and Georgia Tech uh, to finish things out. Um, you know, and if they end up getting into the title game, more than likely taking on Alabama in that, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with Georgia when, when it's all said and done, because, um, you know, they've got the thunder and lightning, you know, Deandre Swift and Elijah Holyfield, a lot of people talking about Elijah Holyfield, uh, coming out and I'll tell you what, Georgia, all of their skill position guys, Riley Ridley, definitely has the talent he's he's Calvin Ridley's younger brother I think if he if he goes to the combine he he would look you know like an NFL receiver but here's here's the thing for me I I just don't think he's he's put enough tape together for us to really justify him coming out uh this season same thing with with Elijah Holyfield I think he's shown uh the ability you know that power you know, you better wrap them up if you're just coming to to lower the lower your shoulder into them. He's going to run right through you or spin right off of you. And then DeAndre Swift, only a sophomore, uh, the dynamic you know running back class next season. Um, he'll be a part of that. A guy who's definitely going to uh, run by you, gets that stiff arm to the edge and and able to bounce things out. So Georgia sitting there at number six. Um, you know, they have an opportunity to win out and get into that SEC title game. And then number five. There's Michigan. Captain Khaki himself, Jim Harbaugh, has uh, has Michigan sitting right there at number five on the brink of, of breaking into the uh, FBS top four. And, uh, you know, if you look at Michigan's remaining schedule, they've got Penn State this weekend. Uh, for any of those teams that are sitting there behind them, they are hoping that Michigan trips up on Penn State. Um, they've got Rutgers, Indiana, and then they travel to uh, the shoe to take on the Ohio State University. Look, you know Michigan, you know their their defense. Don Brown, that may be the defense 
that can challenge teams like like Alabama, Clemson, uh, Georgia, Oklahoma. I think they've got the horses there up front. Um, you know, Rashawn Gary. You know, there's there's talk that he might do what Nick Bosa did and and uh, sit out the remainder of the season so he can get ready for the NFL draft. Um, but there are reports that say that they're they're denying that that's going to take place. Um, if they add him, you know, because obviously you know Quiddy Pay and uh, you know a lot of the other guys that have been playing up front, Leonard Marshall, um, these guys have gotten a lot of lot of playing time. There's a lot more depth up front. Um, than they've had previously. You know, Michael Dwumfor is another guy, um, and then obviously my favorite, uh, you know, Chase Winovich, just uh, the Energizer Bunny, just always seems to be moving, uh, so quick off the ball. Very, you know, bends very well. Um, he's been the unsung hero of this defense and probably one of their MVPs. Um, you know, at linebacker, you've got you know Devin Bush, you know, leading the way in the middle. You know, he could end up being a first rounder. And Jason Winovich, possibly a first-round pick. Obviously, Rashawn Gary is a top 15 pick as well. Um, so there are a lot of you know the, the linebackers. They've got they've got talent there too. You know, Josh Uche and and, and Josh Ross. You know, backing guys up. You know, there's Devin Gill. Um, you know, Kalik Hudson um, playing linebacker and safety. Um, he's coming off the bench half the time. You know, in in, in this because you've got Jordan Glasgow also stepping in and playing linebackers. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of depth here. You know, and I think that's going to be important, especially taking on a team like Alabama, um, who likes to throw the ball and uh, can beat you on the ground. Clemson, kind of the same thing. Um, you know, Lavert Hill, David Long, Tyree Kennel, uh, Kennel, uh Josh Metellus there in uh, in the secondary. You know, all those guys are are playmakers. Da- uh, you know, David Long you know, is susceptible a little bit. Um, does uh, end up you know falling for for some of the the head fakes and some of those first moves by the receivers off the ball. You know, a lot of times you know there are a lot of slants that were thrown in front of him because uh, he was ultimately jumping to the outside, ultimately opening the inside up for the receivers. Um, so you know you know that that'll be showing up on some of the game film, but. That being said, Michigan's defense, to me, Don Brown, you know, you give him some time. And uh, especially if, if they do get into that playoff, and they do end up, you know, they're sitting there at the number four seed taking on Alabama. You give Don Brown a month to, to scheme for, Alabama, you know, Alabama. And, and if I'm Michigan, I like my chances. Karan Higdon running the football. You know, another guy who's a power back, you know, he, he seems to get better as the game goes on, seems to have gotten better as the season has gone on. You know, a guy who's forcing his way um, into my top 10 and probably even forcing his way into my top five. You know, not really a, a, you know, a, a threat in the, in the passing game, but a, a guy who's showing that he can shoulder the load, that he can be the bell cow for a team. And uh, I think that's something that uh, going forward for Michigan is going to be huge. And, you know, it's one of those things for him. He's a senior and uh, six foot. I think he's 210 pounds off the top of my head. I think that's that's where he's at. But, um, you know, a, a kid who is, you know, this is his his audition. You know, he's playing against some of the top teams. Um, you know, like I said, Penn State, Ohio State, you know, and uh, if they can win out, they'll be playing in the playoff. You know, and I think people will get to know who Karan Higdon is really, really quickly. So that's really what, what we're looking at after you know the first rankings, obviously the first rankings, and uh, what ultimately happens, um, you know, who actually plays in the playoff, you know, it could look very different. You know, there are about, like I said, eight, nine teams that are really going to be clamoring for these four spots. 
So it should be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun these last few weeks of the season. We'll be talking about it from here on out. But uh, if we look at the draft, we talk about the draft and, and you know what I've been kind of harping on in terms of the quarterback class. Um, you know, I've said, let's take out all the underclassmen. I don't know who um, from the underclassmen is actually going to be coming out. So what does the draft class really look like at this point? If you take out Justin Herbert, I think Drew Locke right now may be the top guy. Um, you know, 6'4", 225 pounds out of Missouri, um, big arm. And, uh, you know, but the issue is, is he's, he's, his accuracy, especially against some of the top teams, um, you know, if you can't complete 60% of your passes at, in the collegiate level, what makes you expect you can do it at the NFL level? You know, Josh Allen has also run into that issue. Um, you know, I'd like to put Ryan Finley number one, but, uh, you know, the, the issue for him is that arm strength. You know, when he played against a top-notch defense like Clemson a week ago, you know, you saw that these little rainbow throws to the outside, you know, a good defensive back, especially at the next level, they're not just going to break that pass up. That's going to be a pick six. And, uh, you know, so that's something that Ryan Finley really going to have to work on some of that arm strength. And really, you know, what you're talking about is, is if to make up for that arm strength, you have to be in rhythm. You have to be on time. You have to be, you know, throwing your receivers open anticipation, throwing through those tight windows. Um, you know, the ball placement, putting it away from the defensive backs. You have to be able to do that. You have to be on time. And if he's under pressure, um, that's where he's going to get himself into trouble. You know, Will Greer, um, is sitting right there as well. Um, you know, probably the third quarterback to be taken. After that, you've got Clayton Thorson and Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, at the quarterback class. So I, I'm looking at this quarterback class. You'll probably see one or two quarterbacks taken in round two. Although you can make an argument that uh, no quarterback will be taken until round three. You know, you look at Will Greer, Ryan Finley. You know, the the arm strength are are question marks. I talk about Ryan Finley being able to, or Will Greer being able to push the football down the field, um, you know, with accuracy. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph can push the football down with accuracy, but his balls would hang up at times and some of those passes would be underthrown. What ended up happening to Mason Rudolph ended up being a third round pick. That's where I see Ryan, uh, Ryan Finley, Will Greer end up, you know, they'll probably both end up being third rounders. Uh, Drew Locke could be a second round pick. I'm looking at my running back class. Jeez. Uh, you know, David Montgomery to me still is a top back. You know, I think the lateral cuts, the lateral agility, um, you know, the vision, you know, I think that's going to be something that can really translate to the next level. Um, you know, Benny Snell, you know, angry, violent runner, Damian Harris, you know, a guy, look, you know, I'll eat some crow. You know, he was a guy that I said at the beginning of the season was just a guy, you know, um, for those in the scouting circles, you know, ja- he'd be a jag, which stands for just a guy. And, uh, you know, he's, he's grown on me. He's a guy that, you know, he just continues to, to wear teams down a guy who has, has the burst. He's not going to run and run away from you necessarily, but a guy who, um, can beat you on the outside. He can beat you between the tackles. He can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. He's been sharing the backfield with Bo Scarborough and, and now with, uh, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs and, and, um, Najee Harris. So the, there's not a lot of tread on those, on those legs, um, you know, more, you know, any, not much wear, I should say on those legs. So, you know, Damian Harris, a guy who I think is going to make his way in there. Um, you know, Karan Higdon, like I said, I have to move him into my, into my top, uh, top five, really, you know, Bryce Love continuing to drop down the board. And it's not so much because of, 
you know, he's not a dynamic playmaker. It's more so because of his durability. That's really the big issue. He's going to have to prove to teams that he can be durable and make it through an entire season. You know, really more of a change of pace guy at this point. Daryl Henderson, there's a name to watch. I've talked about him before. 5'9", 200-pound uh, Memphis uh, Tiger junior running back, um, you know, leading the country, over 1,000 yards rushing, um, a dynamic guy on the outside. He could be a third or fourth round pick. Justice Hill, another guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. But look, you look at this running back class, you can make an argument that there's nobody in this class that uh, you know, is going to get drafted you know, easily in the first round. You may have one or two backs in the second round, more than likely the third round. When you look at the guys you know, who uh, are excelling at the next level from this last draft class, a guy like uh, On Johnson, obviously Saquon Barkley, um, you know, some of these guys, you know, you, you looked at and you said, okay, these guys are going to be bell cows. These are going to be the guys that are going to, you know, carry the load for a team and not necessarily just be a change of pace back. When you look at these, these running backs in this year's draft class, you know, th- there's not a whole lot of excitement. A lot of guys who are grinders, a lot of guys who have, you know, excellent vision, um, or you have guys who catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, they're a, a guy who, um, you know, I, I think would be good complimentary backs, but you know Bryce Love, Daryl Henderson, Justice Hill, Miles Gaskin, can they hold up to the rigors of a, of a t- an entire NFL schedule? And that's one of the things that you know teams are going to have to find out. Wide receiver position, man. You know, like I said, skill position players. You know, you're not going to see very many guys you know at the skill positions taken in round one. Uh, the receiver position, a lot of people, you know, uh, kind of gun shy about taking a Mississippi wide receiver in the first round after what happened with uh, Laquan Treadwell. I think AJ Brown is a better athlete, um, but uh, you know, Nikhil Harry, 6'4", 213 pounds. You know, the the Sun Devil. You know, watched him against USC, and uh, I think the concern that I've always had for him is whether or not he can separate from from defenses, and. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm getting my answer. You know, Nikhil Harry. I think I'm going to end up moving him up, uh, up my board. Uh, probably put him at number one. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, fastest receiver in the draft class. You know, he's sitting there at number two, and then AJ Brown at number three. Um, you know, with JJ Arcega Whiteside, Kelvin Harmon sitting right there. You know, this receiving class. You know, very underwhelming overall in terms of you know guys at the top of the class, but a, a lot of big receivers. Like I said, Miles Boykin. I don't even have him in my top. Um, top 10, but he's a big receiver. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey, 6'4". Six, six, uh, you know, David Sills is 6'4". Colin Johnson of Texas is 6'6". Six, six. Uh, Emmanuel Hall, you know, a vertical guy on the outside. He's 6'1". Um, and, and a guy who can really get vertically, uh, get up the field vertically. And then um, Debo Samuel, even, even a guy like him, um, who's probably going to be best as a slot receiver, He's six feet tall. So a lot of bigger receivers in this draft class. So, you know, that's one of the things that'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, You know, how many guys are going to be taken in round one? We only had two receivers taken in round one a season ago. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Then obviously tight end, uh, Noah Fant, you know, the touchdown maker. He already has six on the year. Uh, So athletic, stretching the field. Irv Smith, though, may end up being the top tight end prospect because of the fact that he has... Uh, excellent speed, you know, a guy who's who's shown the, the ability to go the distance, um, you know, at any given moment, you know, Caden Smith, um, maybe the most complete tight end in the draft, as I've said previously, 
but you look at the draft class and you know my my top seven are all uh, are all underclassmen so um you know it'll be be interesting to see what happens there with the tight end position but really you know tight end um Irv Smith may get uh, some love there in the first round. Noah Noah Smith or Noah Fant may have some you know an outside shot. Um, as does Caden Caden Smith, but I just I don't see a you know a ton of offensive skill position players uh, taken in round one. This is a defensive draft for a reason. Um, you know you look at the offensive tackles. The only guy who really is going to garner any consideration in the top ten is Jonah Williams. He's been the most consistent offensive lineman. Um, coming out for the draft this season. Uh, Greg Little, you know, I think he's been inconsistent. You see his hands and his feet don't necessarily um, match up. You know, the feet look phenomenal. You know, he looks so light on his feet, moves very well laterally. The problem is, is the hands aren't always there to go with it. And what ends up happening is he ends up, you know, bending at the waist, ends up lunging, and, uh, you know, loses his blocks. Uh, Yanni Kajust uh, out of West uh, West Virginia, David Edwards out of Wisconsin, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State, all guys that uh, are going to be challenging for that third offensive tackle position. Um, but another guy that I'm adding to the mix is Jawan Taylor out of uh, out of Florida. If you haven't gotten to watch him play, um, I watched him against Georgia, and you know very light on his feet. He's 6'5", 334 pounds, only a junior, uh, excellent length, um, long arms. Watching him, you know, very effortless kick slide, and man, he just was burying guys. There was a, a, a defensive end um, who got up the field and went to, to make a move back to the inside, you know, as a quarterback, as Felipe Franks was stepping up into the pocket, and he just kind of grabbed him and just threw him down to the ground. Um, you know, so he, he, he plays with a mean streak and uh, very physical um so I think he has a chance to end up being the number three offensive tackle. I think David Edwards has really hurt himself. You know, ends up playing on his toes way too often, uh, gets off balance. Um, Dalton Reisner, I think, should be ahead of him. You know, obviously, I, like I said, you got Kajust. I think, uh, you know, Joshua Nijman, um, Max Sharping, uh, Caleb McGarry, Bobby Evans, you know, all guys that, uh, you know, have some talent, but they're probably going to end up being you know, you know, day two, early day three picks, you know, nothing that you're going to really be seeing, um, you know, as, as potential first rounders. So really, you know, I, I think Williams little end up being first rounders when it's all said and done, possibly Taylor. Um, and then after that, you know, you, you know, probably could juice Edwards, um, and Reisner as, uh, as day two picks. And you may, after that, look at mostly day three picks from there. Um, the guard position, you know, the Wisconsin Badgers, you know, they're, you know, uh, I don't know <clears throat> what's going to happen with Michael Dieter and, and Bo Benshaw. You know, they've kind of had an up and down season. You know, I think Chris Lindstrom out of uh, Boston College, you know, has really, you know, kind of starting to rise to the top a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I like, uh, you know, Halter Froholt out of Arkansas. I thought he held his own. Um, Playing against Alabama, Tyler Bowling out of Tulsa played very well against uh, Ed Oliver. Uh, Michael Jordan out of Ohio State is he going to be a center? Is he going to be a guard? He's only a junior. Will he come back for a senior season? Um, you know, so that that offensive guard, um, you know, you might have a couple of guys there that'll end up being day two picks. But again, you know, another position where um, you know they're lacking a ton of depth. You know, the center position, you know, Elshon Jenkins out of Mississippi State, very athletic center, you know, holds his ground very well. Is, um, 
he has a chance to end up being a first rounder. I think Tyler Biadish uh, out of Wisconsin um, still has a chance uh, to be a potential day two pick. Ross Pierschbacher out of Alabama, very intelligent center. Uh, Lamont Gaylord out of uh, out of Georgia and Connor McGovern out of Penn State. If he comes out, he's only a junior. Uh, but Lamont Gaylord out of out of Georgia, definitely a guy who's going to be in consideration. I think the center position at the top. Um, you know, there are probably about five or six guys that you'll end up seeing taken in the first five rounds, potentially. As I've, I've said in, 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 the, um, in my rankings, in my previous podcast, it's all about defense. Defense, 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 and more defense. You, know, you look at Nick Bosa, obviously at the top of the defensive end position. You know, Montez Sweat, Cleveland Farrell, uh, Rashawn Gary, Zach Allen, all guys that are going to garner consideration. Uh, Montez Sweat has a has a ton of length. You know, reminds you reminds me a lot of of uh, Daniel Hunter, um, and you see what he's been able to do for Minnesota. Cleveland Farrell um, has a good burst off the ball. You know, very powerful. He's 6'5", 260 pounds, does a great job setting the edge uh, against the run. I think that's one of the things that really stands out for me when I watch him play. Uh, Rashawn Gary, look, 6'5", 283 pounds. Yes, he's a freak. He, he's he's very gifted athletically, but uh, I, I don't think the production always matches the talent. And that's one of the things you're going to have to prove to me there that he's worthy of a top five, top ten pick. I think he's probably more in the, along the lines of, you know, off the board somewhere between 11 and 15. That makes the most sense to me. Zach Allen, uh, the 6'5", 285-pound Boston College Eagle. Look, you know, or I'm sorry, Golden Eagle. Um, but Zach Allen, man, you know, 100 tackles at the defensive end position. He'll probably end up close to that uh, at the end of this year. High motor guy, excellent length, good burst off the ball, very strong at the point of attack, plays the run and the pass very well, um, uses that length to his advantage. Um, like I said, Austin Bryant out of Clemson, you know, more of a pure pass rusher there for Clemson. Um, you know, very quick off the ball there. Joe Jackson, you know, more of a physical presence, not really the fastest guy coming off the edge. And then, uh, you know, Isaiah Bugs out of Alabama, Charles Omenahu, a couple of three, four defensive ends, you know, five techniques. Um, there to kind of round out the defensive end position. Obviously, the defensive tackles, look, you know, there's there's about 10 or 11 guys um, who you're going to see called in, in the first two days that, uh, you know, because of all the talent that's at this position, there are guys that are going to fall down um, that really should be, um, you know, should, you know, have a chance to be first rounders. Um, you know, Ed Oliver sitting there obviously, you know, reminds you a lot of of Aaron Donald. You know, a lot of people talk about him. You know, that being an unfair comparison at this point. But look, you know, Ed Oliver could play. You know, he, he's playing at about 275 pounds he's playing the the nose tackle he's playing over the nose and uh you know still getting the job done playing both the run and the pass he could play end he could play probably you know as a stand-up rush linebacker if he wanted to um you know just excellent footwork you know so explosive off the football dexter lawrence is the monster in the middle for clemson six five 340 pounds um then you have uh you know Derek brown out of auburn guy with some violent hands um, can can really push the pocket, uh, collapse it, and and get you know quick penetration against the run. Christian Wilkins, I think he's kind of getting a little bit of a bad rap. Um, 6'4", 310 pounds. Look, he, he can play a three four defensive end or four three defensive tackle scheme versatile. Um, 
and and so explosive. You know, he's one of those things. He's a very intelligent player, uh, the kindergarten teacher uh, coming back for a senior season. To me, um, I need to move him back up in my rankings. You know, put him into into my top four or five there. Uh, like I said, Jerry Tillery, you know, six six, three hundred and six pounds. Um, so violent with his hands. Uh, Jerry uh, Jeffrey Simmons, another guy who's very quick off the ball, gets into the backfield, has the off-field concerns, and I think that's why um, you know I have him a little bit lower on my rankings. Um, otherwise, he'd be a, a surefire first-rounder. I don't know if he's going to be a first-rounder now at this point. Uh, Draymond Jones, um, you know, with without Nick Bosa, you know, he had he he sees a lot more of the double team, so he hasn't had a production, but. Uh, you know, he's 6'3", 295 pounds, but he's so light on his feet, able to shoot the gaps and, and pressure the quarterback. Um, also very uh, efficient in the running game as well. And then after that, I mean, you got Gerald Willis out of Miami, who's played his way into you know possibly being a you know a, a day two pick, um, you know 13 and a half tackles for loss on the year. Uh, Raekwon Davis, you know from Alabama, you know he. Had eight sacks a season ago, and everyone remembers him for his interception in the playoff. Um, but the production this year has kind of dropped off a little bit, and uh, uh, you know, facing some of the the top ca- top caliber offensive linemen, especially against Greg Little, he was pretty much shut down. Showed that he's really just more of an interior guy; he can't really be that three four uh, defensive end. Ricky Walker out of Virginia Tech, uh, Daniel Wise from Kansas. You know, there are a lot of guys there at that defensive tackle position. One guy that I just forgot that I need to mention that has a chance if he decides he wants to come out. Um, hopefully he'll come back for his senior season. But Andrew Nelson out of Iowa, big 6'7 kid, you know, 200, 280 pounds, just so athletic, you know, using that, that length, very quick get off, but uh, uses his power, the speed to power. One of the things that I thought was so impressive was he just uses hands, you know, just put both hands right into the chest of the right tackle, Will Fraze, um, and just basically just jacked them, jacked them back, got him off balance, and then just shot inside and dropped uh, Trace McSorley. So you saw the power, the speed to power, definitely something that uh, that he can take advantage of there. At outside linebacker, you know, obviously Josh Allen is the class there, you know, from Kentucky, a top 10 pick. Chase Winovich, um, Brian Burns, and uh, O'Shane Zimenez. Uh, you know, Burns probably going to get the nod there as, as the, the first guy off the board in that trio, but three guys who could definitely get after the quarterback. Then after that, a little bit of a drop-off to get to DeAndre Walker, Porter Gustin, um, and then I think it drops off even further after that. With the exception of uh, Jakai Polite, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him. You have to put him up there probably after Brian Burns, I would say, before Chase Winovich. Um, it was showing that explosiveness off the football. But uh, is he more of just a situational pass rusher? If he is, and, and teams don't really you know, feel that he can defend the run, then that's going to be something that's going to kind of impact that draft, you know, his draft stock just a little bit. Uh, inside linebacker, obviously Devin White is going to be a top top 10 pick. After that, I think Devin Bush is probably number two. He's so versatile. He's all over the field for Michigan. Doesn't come off the field at all. Mac Wilson is more of your um, guy who plays in space uh, at an, at the inside backer position. Um, you know, TJ Edwards is is not as athletic as Mac Wilson, but I think he plays better against the run. A um, little bit more instinctive. Uh, Tavon Coney plays more. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's as, as quick sideline to sideline, but another intelligent player. 
Uh, Ty Summers has been playing at defensive end and at inside linebacker for TCU. Um, you know, I think he's his athleticism is underrated. Uh, Cam Smith out of USC playing at two, 250 pounds. He's dropped weight. He's down to 227 pounds, moves very well. Here's the issue, durability concerns for him. Uh, and then Khalil Hodge out of, out of Buffalo. Um, just a guy who's just going to keep racking up a ton of tackles. Uh, I think he's now at about 12 and a half per game. Um, had uh, over 140 tackles a season ago. Um, so he's a guy, you know, one of those sleepers there at, the, at that position. So obviously... You know, we've got a little bit of time left. I wanted to go ahead and get into uh, the back of the you know back portion of the defense. Talk about the secondary. Um, I think you've got two cornerbacks that are bona fide first round picks, and that's you know uh, uh, Andreas, you know uh, Greedy Williams. He's 6'2", 182 pounds, uh, a junior, and uh, you know the, I think what really stands out for me with him is is the way that. He's just so comfortable, so fluid. He doesn't panic. Um, there was a play, you know, I'm trying to remember who they were playing against, but uh, he was, you know, there was a post that was run, and he was trailing, trailing the play, trail technique, and the ball was thrown out in front of the receiver, and you just watched him make up so much ground at the end of that play, you know, and he was able to to take basically two or three steps, close the gap entirely, and and break up the ball effortlessly. Um, I think the ball skills are evident. Um, you know, he's a lockdown corner. You know, he'll he'll get himself into trouble at times, but uh, you know, I want to see what he can do, especially against Jerry Judy here this weekend against Alabama. Uh, DeAndre Baker, you know, what teams just basically don't throw his way anymore um, when they play Georgia. Uh, 5'11", 180 pounds. LSU tried to test him, tried to test him time after time with the bigger receivers, uh, Stephen Sullivan and uh, D. Anderson and company. And uh, you know Baker was up to the task. The ball skills just jump off off the film. Um, you know he just lacks a little bit of that length. So you know probably not going to be a, a top ten guy, but uh, he should come off the board somewhere between you know eleven and twenty. Ohio State struggled mightily against Purdue in that offense. And uh, Rondell Moore was getting loose left and right. And, uh, you know, they were playing without Damon Arnett, you know, six foot, 194 pound junior. And, uh, you know, I think that says a lot, you know, that, uh, you know, when Arnett was out of the game, they really struggled. And to me, I think Damon Arnett, you know, he's, he's physical. Um, he can run in phase with the receivers. He has good ball skills. To me, he's the number three cornerback in this year's draft draft class. A lot of people like Byron Murphy. You know, he's he's uh, definitely has the talent. You know, you see the physical ability. Um, he's so quick in and out of his breaks, um, drives quickly on the football. But you know, a lot of mental mistakes. You know, he he gets his eyes caught in the backfield. You know, gets fooled at times. And uh, you know, I'd like to see another year of seasoning. Um, but I think he has a chance to be the top cornerback taken in next year's draft if he were to come back. Uh, Julian Love out of Notre Dame, definite ball skills, over 20 um, pass breakups a season ago. Um, doesn't see the ball quite as much, you know, throwing his way, um, you know, like a lot of these guys. But uh, the, the ball skills, again, definitely evident there. Uh, Chris Boyd out of Texas, six foot, 195 pounds. He and Devontae Davis, you put on the game film and watch the Longhorns play, and they're both very physical. They have good ball skills, the length, the ability to go up and high point the football. They're also physical against the run. Um, that's what you want to see there at the next level. 
Um, Manny Oruwariye out of Penn State, another physical guy, likes to jam jam receivers at the at the line of scrimmage, and uh, you know just always seems to be around the ball, you know, right place at the right time. Kendall Sheffield out of Ohio State, you know, he's 5'11", 187 pounds, junior, one of the fastest guys in all of college football, but uh, you know he he gets exposed at times. You know, there's you know you, you definitely he can definitely run with anybody. Um, has fluid hips, can can really you know sink his hips and and drive on the football as well, but uh, I, I think it's more you know the mental aspects of the game that uh, you know he you know both Sheffield and Murphy they have they're about as athletic as anybody in this draft class, but I think they really need to work on um, the mental aspects of the game. And then looking at the safety position, obviously you know, we have two guys um, at the top of the board, and that's Deontay Thompson and Taylor Rapp. Deontay Thompson, 6'1", 195 pounds out of Alabama, uh, the junior. Look, you know, I, I, it's amazing what Nick Saban does there, um, you know, with, with the Crimson Tide. You know, Mika Fitzpatrick uh, graduates, um, goes to, or I'm sorry, um, you know, he, he leaves, goes to the Dolphins, and and has a great, uh, you know, is having a pretty good uh, rookie season. But, uh, you know, who's going to fill, you know, fill that void on the back half of that defense? Deontay Thompson has shown, you know, excellent range playing over the top. Also comes up as physical in the running game. Um, you know, I, I think his ability, again, to, to play over the top, especially, you know, when you're talking about a, an off, you know, a pass-happy league at the next level, you got to have a guy who has that type of presence and the ability to read, read the quarterback's eyes and be able to break on the football quickly. Um, diagnoses the plays very well, and then you know Taylor Taylor Rapp, six foot, two hundred twelve pounds out of Washington, was a freshman All American as a as a freshman, and has just been playing, um, you know, at a, at an elite level there for the Huskies. Um, to me, you know, Taylor Rapp kind of does a little bit of everything. He plays in the box. You know, he can play the run. Um, he blitzes very well, times his blitzes, uh, gets into the backfield, can affect the quarterback throwing the football, plays over the top as well. Um, you know, I, I think you know he and JoJo McIntosh complement each other very well. JoJo McIntosh, more of the 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 enforcer, the guy who's going to inflict some pain back there, and Taylor Rapp, you know, really a guy who uh, looks to make plays on the football. After the two of them, you know, Jonathan Abram, another guy who's who's a physical safety, six foot, two hundred ten pounds out of Mississippi State, and then Chauncey Gardner, uh, Johnson. You know, he's five eleven, two hundred four pounds, um, also a junior, a guy who plays very well in the box. You know, um, excellent tackler, um, just so physical, and I think that's one of the things that really jumps out to me when you watch him play. Uh, Jaquan Johnson out of Miami, um, you know, 5'11", 190 pounds, has some good ball skills. Another guy who flies around to the football, you know, a little light, um, but uh, you know, he he packs a packs a pretty good punch overall. Uh, Mike Edwards out of Kentucky, 5'10", 100, uh, 201 pounds. Um, another guy who has very good ball skills, uh, Lucas Dennis. You know, he had seven interceptions a season ago for Boston College, 5'11", 186 pounds. What bothers me about him is that he doesn't wrap up. Um, he, he looks to to throw his shoulder into guys, doesn't wrap up at all, and I, I think that's going to really get him in trouble at the next level. Um, Andrew Wingard out of out of Wyoming, six foot, two hundred nine pounds. This guy is just a tackling machine. He's not as athletically gifted as some of these other guys um, in this draft class, but I'll tell you what, he is going to make an NFL roster, and you'll see him starting on Sundays. You'll see that long hair flowing out of the, the back of a helmet. Uh, three straight seasons with uh, you know over 100 yard or I'm sorry, 100 tackles. 
um, 431 in his career, um, you know, 23 and a half tackles for loss, nine interceptions, eight pass breakups, five forced fumbles, and a Parker's in a pear tree. No, uh, but seriously, you know, nine games in, you know, 64 tackles on the year. Um, just a kid who who just he's a good football player. You know, and, and athletically, he may not time as fast as some of these guys, may not jump as high as some of these guys, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, Andrew Wingard's a guy that you're going to want to have on your team. One safety who's kind of fallen fallen out of favor a little bit and has fallen out of my top ten is is Jordan Fuller. You know, a guy who you know has shown you know he, he takes bad angles, um, hasn't been able to wrap up. You know, he he's got excellent size. He's six two, 190 pounds, but I think the stiff hips really expose him in coverage. And, uh, you know, that's something to me. I think he's got to come back for a senior season, get some of those things cleaned up. Um, Kalik Hudson out of Michigan, six foot, 205 pounds. You know, he's, he's playing the linebacker position. I really, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Tyree Cannell um, playing free safety. He's a senior. You know, maybe uh, Kalik Hudson can slide into that, uh, that free safety position um, for a senior season. Um, cause you, know, you want to try to get him on the field, you know, as, you know, as much as possible, but if you've got Josh Uche play in the middle, because I figure Devin Bush is coming out, you'll have, uh, Josh Ross, um, on, on one side, Devin Gill on the other, potentially Jordan, uh, Glasgow as well. You really want to get Kalik Hudson on the field. Maybe they can put him, um, at free safety, um, when Tyree Cannell, graduates um and play next to Josh Metellus but I think you know Kalik Hudson it would behoove him to come back for his senior season as would you know J.R. Reed um right now J.R. Reed's getting outplayed by his counterpart uh you know Richard LeCount who is George's leading tackler um you know I I think J.R. Reed you know I'd love to see him come back um you know a strong safety you know big guy um but uh, I think he can improve his draft class, you know, his draft stock by coming back for a senior season. So those are those are my rankings. Those are kind of the guys that I'm keeping an eye on um, as as we move forward in in the draft, um, you know, draft uh, process here. You're looking at week ten, first weekend in November. Hard to believe, you know, that we're already talking about November football. Hard to believe this is the 11th episode of of the Ready for the Draft podcast for 2019, um, but uh, yeah, we're here. You know, we're we're looking at uh, just two more months till the end of the season. It, it's really hard to believe, but it, it's a fun time of year. Like I said, the the college football se- uh, playoff is right around the corner, and then obviously bowl season. Um, bowl season's always a lot of fun. Um, I make sure that I watch every single bowl game. Um, so let's see what we have for the first weekend in November. Um, you know, Friday's game, you know, Virginia 25th ranked Cavaliers have, uh, Pittsburgh coming, uh, coming to Scott stadium. Um, that should be an interesting contest. Um, you know, UVA, um, you know, Bryce Perkins, the dual threat quarterback, um, you know, really a lot of fun to watch there. Let's see. What else do we have? Pac 12 after dark. Um, Colorado going to Tucson, taking on Arizona. Look, Colorado, watch out for for uh, for the Wildcats. Wildcats are now four and five on the year. You know, a couple more wins, and they'll actually be bowl eligible, which is a surprise considering the way they started their season. Uh, JJ Taylor over a thousand yards rushing um, for them. You know, Colorado, look, you know their their whole offense is really predicated on on getting the ball to Lavisca Chenault. If he doesn't play, then uh, Colorado is going to be in a in a whole lot of trouble. 
Let's see what else we have here. Moving on to Saturday, Clemson taking on Louisville at home. Um, that shouldn't be much of a contest. Ohio State taking on Nebraska. You know, Scott Frost, you got a couple of wins under your belt. I don't see them beating uh, the number 10 ranked Buckeyes. Uh, Syracuse on the road um, taking on Wake Forest there. Winston-Salem, um, you know, barring anything weird there. I think Eric Dungy and company going to lead that team to victory. If you get a chance to watch Jamal Custis, um, a receiver there for Syracuse, Alton Robinson at defensive end, and uh, you know Chris uh, Slayton at defensive tackle. Um, definitely fun to watch there. Auburn at home at Jordan-Hare taking on the 20th ranked Texas A&M Aggies. Aggies looking to rebound off of Mississippi State. Uh, Auburn just trying to right the ship, you know, and, and really, you know, set a you know, set the tone for, for the re- remainder of their season. Um, should be interesting. Um, you know, A&M, obviously, they featured uh, Travion Williams out of the backfield. Kellen Mond throwing the ball to Jay Sternberger, um, who, you know, is watching his his draft stock rise, you know, from a, a third stringer in, uh, you know, the, the, the JC level. Um, now has a chance to potentially be a, a, a draft pick in the first, probably like fourth round, I would say. Iowa State, number 24-ranked Cyclones. Man, just a lot of fun to watch. You know, I, I said they were the t- the uh, best three-loss team in the country, and uh, I think they were 1-3 and three at the time, and now they're 4-3. and three. And if I'm anyone, you know, a, a team in the Big 12, that's one team I don't want to play. Matt Campbell really having them playing well behind the arm of, uh, of Brock Purdy. Moving through... Let's see what else we have. Baylor, uh, you know, McLean Stadium there in Waco, taking on Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State, you know, knocked off Texas. Um, are they going to have the the hangover there against uh, the Baylor Bears? Um, let's see. What else do we have? As I scroll through this... Um, Man, Georgia Southern, you know, I, I was talking about them earlier. They're seven and one, you know, four and zero in the Sun Belt. You know, they have a chance to run away with the Sun Belt there. Um, so again, if you get to see Shy Wirtz play, you know, he he is a, a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hand. Um, Georgia and Kentucky. Georgia and Kentucky, you know, that's going to be you know very interesting. You know, Josh Allen off the off the edge. He's going to be making you know Andrew Andrew Thomas's uh, life miserable there at left tackle, uh, so explosive off the football. Um, you know you have that thunder and lightning run, uh, running game with with Holyfield and and uh, Swift. Um, so the question will be: Is Kentucky's defense going to be stout up front? Um, but really, Georgia, you know, Georgia is going to load the box. They're going to, you know, I think Richard LeCount's going to try to fly around to the football. Um, they're going to they're going to force uh, Terry Wilson to beat them. Um, you know, Benny Snell is the, you know, is their bell cow. He's the guy that makes everything work. He's going to be the guy that's physical. Um, but uh, can Terry Wilson get the ball to Lynn Bowden on the, on, on the outside as a receiver? And then, uh, you know, C.J. Conrad, you know, the threat at the seam. Um, I, I think Georgia comes away with the victory here, but you know what? Kentucky, you know, they're playing at home there at Kroger Field. You know, and they've, they've surprised people before. They have a chance to do it again. 
uh, Texas, 17th ranked uh, Longhorns at home, um, licking their wounds after Oklahoma State taking on West Virginia. And really, West Virginia, the biggest issue here is is um, you know what type of uh, play are you going to get out of Will, Will Greer? If he has a good game, then uh, West Virginia is always in it. Um, and usually, you know, they have a chance to to win the win the game. So, you know, Longhorns, um, you know, I I, I, th- I expect the Longhorns to come away victorious because I think their defense um, is a little bit better than West Virginia's, and uh, I think they they do enough to end up beating um, the Mountaineers in that game. Purdue taking on Iowa, you know the. Iowa is ranked number 16 in the country. Purdue sitting there at four and four. They lost to, to Michigan State this past weekend. Um, but man, you know David Blau, you know Rondell Moore. Uh, Rondell Moore is is one of the most spectacular players in the country, and he's only a freshman. Um, Florida State. You know what? Uh, Willie Tagger talking about the team giving up against Clemson. Um, they're taking on uh, NC State. They're ranked number 21. Carter Finley there in Raleigh. Um, I think. Um, Ryan Finley and company, you know, he's going to lead them to to victory there. Working through the rest of the schedule here. Let's see. We're getting into the, some of the afternoon games. Obviously, you've got Michigan taking on Penn State there at the big house, the number five ranked Michigan Wolverines. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things to where I think their defense is going to be, is going to put a stranglehold on Trace McSorley and Miles Sanders. And I think, you know, uh, Karan Higdon ends up wearing down the young Penn State defense. Although, you know, Yater um, Gross Matos had four tackles for loss, two sacks, uh, was seemed to be living in the backfield there against Iowa. So that's one of the things that Michigan's going to have to watch out for is, is Gross Matos on one side and then Sharif Miller on the other. Um, so that'll be be interesting in that contest. BC, they're ranked number twenty-two in the country. You know AJ Dillon. Um, you know if, if he's healthy, you know you've got a two hundred and fifty-pound back that runs a, you know a, a legit you know four-five forty. Um, a guy that big should not be moving that fast. Um, so that's going to be be a fun contest watching him take on the Hokies, um, there in Lane Stadium. Uh, 11th ranked Florida Gators, you know, playing in the swamp against Missouri. Um, really, the big thing for Missouri is is can Drew can they get Drew Lock going? Can they really get Drew Lock going there? Um, you know, I, I anticipate um, you know Jukai Polite and, and CC Jefferson and uh, you know Jabari Zuniga to to put some pressure on him early and often. Uh, so we continue to work through Utah, Pac-12. You know that'll probably end up being the Pac-12 South uh, representative there in the Pac-12 championship. So hey, if they continue to win out, um, Washington State's going to be a big fan of Utah's. Um, if they can win out, then Washington State takes on Utah. Um, you know, for all the marbles there in the Pac-12, that's really the only hope that the Pac-12 will have for the playoff is Washington State. You know, running the tables, and we see uh, some other teams in front of them slipping up. Um, so they go to Tempe, taking on Arizona State. Arizona State, the Sun Devils, getting some confidence, beating USC in the Coliseum. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to see how they respond there, going home after that win that brings them back to 500. Like I said, Northwest uh, Notre Dame taking on Northwestern, uh, four number four ranked Irish. You know, going on the road, um, taking on the the Wildcats. You know, the upset minded Wildcats. You know, Pat Fitzgerald's going to have his team ready to play. Look, you know, Notre Dame. They won nineteen fourteen against Pitt. Um, 
you know, narrow defeat there or narrow victory, um, I, I should say. And, uh, you know, Northwestern, they've, they've already shown, you know, against a team like Wisconsin that uh, they can they can be physical, that uh, that defense um, can be restricted. You know, they beat beat the, the Badgers 31-14. Can they do it again against the Irish? You know, Irish, you know, had you know, the, on the road, um, you know, they, they played Wake Forest. Wake Forest played them tough. Um, took on Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech played them tough a little bit as well. Um, so this is going to be an interesting game um, to see if, if Northwestern can pull off the upset. Um, let's see. Mississippi State taking on Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, I expect the Bulldogs to win this game, but if you get a chance to watch Louisiana Tech, they've got Jalen uh, Ferguson. He's a defensive end, very raw, 6'5", 255 pounds, um, just a couple years removed from 14 and a half sacks. Um, definitely a guy to watch there. Um, obviously, the the big game, um, you know, the night game is going to be Alabama against uh, LSU, number one ranked Crimson Tide against number three ranked LSU Tigers in the uh, college football playoff poll. Um, you know, we've, we've I've talked about this game at length. You know, it, it's going to be, you know, there in, in Death Valley, um, you know, Alabama, you know, having to go on the road. Um, you know, can they get to Tua, you know, early enough? And that's really going to be the, the biggest issue there. Um, Oklahoma. You know, the seventh-ranked Sooners taking on Texas Tech, you know, in Lubbock. Um, that's not an easy place to play. Um, Alan Bowman throwing the ball um, all over the yard. Um, you know, they, he has a couple of receivers, um, you know, uh, in Antoine Wesley and, and T.J. Vasher. Antoine Wesley is the um, leading receiver there in the Big 12 uh, 58 receptions, 90, 977 yards, seven touchdowns. Both he and Vasher present mismatches on the outside. Guys who can go up and get the football, high point the ball, attack the ball in the air with their hands. Um, so it'll be a tough contest, I think, there for Oklahoma. Stanford and Washington. That was supposed to be the game for all the marbles in the Pac-12 North. You know, Stanford now uh, five and three. On the season, three and two in Pac-12 play. Washington, um, six and three, four and two. You know neither team is ranked. Um, you know, but there are still some players that you'll get to see. You know, obviously JJR, Sega Whiteside, Caden Smith um, for Washington. You know, you do get to see Jake Browning. You'll get to see Byron Murphy, the the corner, um, Caleb McGarry, the right the right tackle, and uh, you know, obviously Taylor Rapp there in, in the secondary. Uh, let's see. My Trojans going to Corvallis and take on Oregon State. Um, you know, Oregon State. Um, you know, USC has a trouble has trouble there. Uh, at, at Reeser, you know, the question for USC is going to be: Is JT Daniels going to be the quarterback, or is it going to be Jack Sears, who played pretty well there against the Sun Devils? You know, showed that he could push the football down the field, and uh, really wasn't under throwing receivers. Um, like JT Daniels was for much of the year. Um, but Oregon State knocked off Colorado a week ago. So, you know what? This isn't a gimme game for my Trojans. So we'll have to see what happens there. Um, finishing out the year or finishing out this. Let's see. We got Fresno State going to UNLV. Fresno State 7-1 and um, overall, 4-0 and in Mountain West play. Um, Jeff Tedford really has the Bulldogs playing well. Um, that that'd be a game to tune in there on uh, the CBS Sports Network if you get that channel. And then obviously Washington State, the the Cougs, the last 
hope for for the Pac-12. Mike Leach, Gardner Minshew and company, um, you know, James Williams, the uh, receiving running back, um, you know, who I, I shouldn't just call him a receiving running back. He has excellent hands, but he also runs the ball well, both between the tackles and on the outside. Excellent vision. He's a junior. Um, to me, he'll be a guy to talk about in uh, next year's draft class. Uh, but the number eight Cougars, I expect them to take out Cal in that game. So uh, a lot uh, on the agenda uh, for this weekend. A lot of really exciting football games. I'm looking forward to a full weekend of, of college football. You know, um, Thank you for tuning in for, for the podcast this week. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of excitement. You know, I think down the stretch here, we'll be talking a lot about the uh, college football playoff. Really want to talk about some guys that are flying under the radar now. Um, as we've gone through my rankings, um, obviously we'll have the conversation and the constant dialogue about how they're ever changing almost week after week. Um, but uh, you know, we'll go through some of the guys that are flying under the radar. Maybe even talk about some guys that are a little overrated. Um, but you know, some of my favorite players that are kind of flying under the radar. Um, and those are a lot of the guys that you end up seeing playing on Sundays. Um, so we'll get to talk about them just a little bit here. So I hope everyone enjoys their week. Um, and once again, I want to thank you for, for tuning in, whether, you know, you're, you're checking out readyforthedraft.com or, uh, or the Ready for the Draft podcast. You know, if you're checking us out on, on uh, iHeartRadio or Apple iTunes, I do appreciate it. Hope you've enjoyed listening a little bit to, you know, what's going on in my head. You know, this, like I said, is my passion, uh, the NFL draft, uh, taking a look at the prospects, breaking things down. Uh, this is what I have fun doing. Uh, game in, game out, and you know I'll be putting in the work again. You know, I plan on watching about 15, 16 games from beginning to end um, you know, throughout this next week um, so that we can go ahead and talk about um, some of these draft prospects. You know, I want to make sure that you know um, I've, I've been able to you know watch you know as many many different games as many different prospects as possible so that I, you know, I, I have a good understanding of, of, uh, what to expect when we, when we encounter the draft. Um, so, you know, if nothing else, you know, I'm, I'm definitely putting in the work. I'm definitely studying these players. You know, I want to see who's going to be the right fit at the next level. Um, so I'm looking forward to this weekend. Hope you are as well. Hope you're looking forward to uh, next weekend's episode. I know that I am as well. Um, But until then, please enjoy your week. And I am out of here.